this could be one of the most complete linebacking cores that Penn State has had in a while. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. That is FanDuel.com slash Locked On. My name is Zach Seiko, your host of Locked On Nittany Lions. It is the linebacker preview one of the better position groups on this team. And I'm going to have an episode coming up where I'm going to rank all the position groups. I thought it was appropriate to preview all of them first individually and then rank them from best to worst. Uh, well, I wouldn't say the weakest link uh, of the group, but uh, Penn State really doesn't have that many holes this season uh, as we've seen through other position groups. But the linebacking core is going to be one of the better ones on the team. So we're going to go through everything from... Manny Diaz to start with, all the way down to the freshman. Jeff Byers will join me on this episode as well to recap the wrestling season and talk about the incredible recruiting class. You thought Penn State football was good at recruiting. How about Kale Sanderson and the wrestling program? The linebackers, year two of Manny Diaz developing the linebackers. That That's part of the equation here. You, you have a very capable defensive coordinator. You also have someone that understands the linebacker position. And... Abdul Carter, who's going to be the focal point of this group, that's going to be a big reason why this group succeeds. Uh, you have someone that comes in as a true freshman, and you get that response from him, that development from him right away. That takes a lot from the player, but uh, you also need to fit in with the right coaching staff as well. And when Brent Pry went away, that, that stung. It, it was Penn State going to be able to replace that kind of productivity at not only the D.C. spot, but the guy who is trying to continue the trend of linebacker you and, and Penn state doing it very well, at least over the past. That's why I didn't, this isn't necessarily the best linebacker group over the past, maybe decade or so, but I think this is one of the most complete linebacker groups. There's a difference. Uh, having the depth is, is very important in this case. So many Diaz, uh, year two of him working with the linebackers, getting the most out of these guys. Uh, he asks a lot of them. Linebacker play is very important in Manny Diaz's defense. So being in the second year of this system is not only going to benefit, of course, Abdul Carter, who's the star of this group, but Curtis Jacobs, Kobe King, the freshman, like I mentioned, Tamir Robinson, Tony Rojas, Kavion Keys. Can they be not necessarily Abdul Carter level, but guys that can come in and say, hey, let me let's give those guys a breather. Uh, and Manny Diaz just providing that consistency and the fact that Penn State's players learn the defense so quickly. I feel like it's so complex with what they do and the responsibility uh, that is going to bode well for this group. Year two of Abdul Carter, a true freshman. Where's number 11 for a reason, right? Uh, met up with Micah Parsons when Micah Parsons visited campus, and it's just it's just fitting. It's just awesome. LeVar Arrington, uh, the, the, he's quite the unique case. Abdul Carter is someone who did not enroll early, that, that showed up over the summer, uh, and, and someone who embraced a linebacker role with no prior experience in high school. Now, I say that uh, he played linebacker in high school, but not the way that Penn State is utilizing him. He played more of a traditional middle linebacker spot. Uh, 
slides over to the outside and becomes that weak side linebacker that is the do-it-all. Penn State did this with Micah Parsons as well, and it was a little different because he was a stud defensive end in high school, played a little bit of running back as well for Harrisburg High School, and then he turned into the stud linebacker, and there were some more growing pains because he was moving away from the line of scrimmage. Now, what I love about Abdul Carter, and I'm going to compare and contrast him and Micah Parsons here because there's so many comparables. Carter, like Parsons, has great speed and athleticism. But on top of that, what I even love more about Abdul Carter is the fact that he has such great vision and awareness for how young he is. You have to be able to see the play develop in real time. And for a freshman to do it the way that he did was very, very impressive. Now, Carter did make first-year mistakes. I mean, doesn't anybody, right? Was caught out of position, confused by some play designs, but... I mean, who isn't? That's kind of the point of, of schemes when it comes to collegiate and professional football. So it, I'm not surprised. But you did see those growing pains show up a little bit as a freshman. Just not not as prevalent, though, as you would think. Not as prevalent when it came to Micah Parsons because, again, he was changing complete positions. Carter had the linebacker experience. This is just different linebacker responsibilities that he had no familiarity with coming out of high school. So the debate is, and this is uh, this is something I find very interesting, it's kind of like the Nicholas Singleton-Saquon Barkley debate. Who's ahead right now after one year? Uh, Micah Parsons back in the day or Abdul Carter? Who was better to this point? And I think it's tough to say because personally, I would, I would argue Abdul Carter's just slightly ahead in terms of production. Uh, quantity, it, it, it's Parsons. He had more tackles. Uh, 82 tackles uh, to 56 for Abdul Carter. But here's where the quality comes in. Abdul Carter had six and a half sacks his freshman year. Micah Parsons had one and a half after his first year of playing. Abdul Carter also had 10 and a half tackles for a loss. But Parsons was used more in the traditional linebacker role as a freshman before given that responsibility of sliding over to that weak side spot. So Carter is being used immediately in the way that Parsons was gradually, if that makes sense, right? So Parsons didn't start out in this role, but was moved into this, whereas Carter, they're like, you're in the Parsons role right now, which is impressive in its own right. So Abdul Carter in year two, ready to go for a year three. I'm already thinking ahead. I'm already looking to 2024, but it would have been nice to have Micah Parsons for that final year of eligibility at Penn State. And you're going to get that with Abdul Carter. So cherish it. Enjoy it. The return of Curtis Jacobs. This is what when Adisa Isaac and Curtis Jacobs, they announced that they were coming back to Penn State. This is what set Penn State over the top as far as going from a top 10 team, you know, the, the big 10 still a little too big for them to, Hey, they're a serious playoff contender here. Curtis Jacobs moved over to the starting will linebacker spot before moving back to the Sam to make way for Abdul Carter and Penn state couldn't have made a better decision. Curtis Jacobs is the veteran of this group. He's a leader and Someone that, again, will flourish in Manny Diaz's system. And we saw it last season when he moved back over to the strong side. He's so versatile. He can play any of those spots. He's not married to the Will, the Mike, or the Sam. Curtis Jacobs will play wherever you need him to. He's also a three-down linebacker. So when Penn State switches to defensive formations, they go away from the 4-3. They need just one or two outside linebackers in the middle there. 
Curtis Jacobs is staying on the field because he's not only great in base defense, but he can cover. <laughs> More importantly, he can cover uh, wide receivers that come over the middle or bigger athletic tight ends. Uh, so Penn State getting a, a huge break by getting Curtis Jacobs back because if he did happen to move on to the NFL draft, uh, I would have said that linebacker becomes a need in the transfer portal. Something else that is key for the linebackers in 2023 is the breakout of Kobe King, the official breakout, the, the true Mike linebacker in this case. He is, now I just got done saying Curtis Jacobs isn't married to one linebacker spot. In the case of Kobe King, he actually is. He's a traditional Mike linebacker. He's in the middle. He's not moving. That's his comfort zone. Great combination of athleticism, size, and speed. Kind of Carter and Jacobs. And that's the point here. When these three guys are on the field together, or any two of them, whatever formation they're in, a 3-2-6, a 4-3, whatever combination you're going to have, you are not missing a beat because they all possess similar traits. The vision, the size, the ability, they're not boxed in. They're not one-dimensional linebackers. And that's the best part about this is that any of them can just any pairing, any combination of them will continue to have that edge for Penn State defensively. And Kobe King, uh, a little slow to start because he wasn't the starting linebacker. It was Tyler Elsden, who we'll get to as a, as a depth piece now. But he started to come into his own at the end of the season. He was the player of the game, arguably, by anybody. But the Penn State broadcast team of Steve Jones and Jack Ham nominated Kobe King as the defensive player of the game, and it showed. And he just began to fly around the field. He knew instinctively where to go. And and the the learning curve for Kobe King was just understanding some formations and dissecting some things. But now that the game slowed down for him a little bit, he's speeding up. So those three on the field together are going to be a dangerous combo for opponents. And I don't feel bad. The important depth pieces for Penn State. Uh, and then this is good because Penn State really didn't lose a lot. The, just Jonathan Sutherland. And, and Jonathan, Jonathan Sutherland is one heck of a leader. He is a guy that grinds in the film room. He's smart, intelligent, and he's going to make his way in the NFL as a special teamer. Uh, but that is the only piece that they're losing. The group is getting back. Tyler Elsden, Dom DeLuca is now on scholarship. Tyrese Mills, remember him, Lackawanna College transfer that is a depth piece at linebacker now. DeLuca played his way into a scholarship. Elsden's a very intelligent player where he lacks a little athleticism. If he can get that extra step, if he can get that added quickness, I think that Tyler Elsden and Kobe King will still rotate a fair amount, which is good. So when Kobe King does come off the field, Tyler Elsden can step in and you don't miss too much of a beat. But the biggest criticism of Elsden is that he doesn't get to his gap quick enough like any of those three other starters. And then there are the freshmen, Tony Rojas, Tamir Robinson, KB on keys. I like all three of them. They have insane potential. I think Tony Rojas, uh, he's backing up. That will linebacker spot. He's going to be a backup to uh, Abdul Carter, and, and I really, I really like him. And Robinson, these guys enrolled early. KB on Keys is going to come over the summer, and KB on Keys was a late get, but really boosted this linebacker group from the class of 2023. I've already heard good things about Rojas and Robinson, who are on campus. They're gamers. They're hard workers. They fit this Penn State brand, this family type, this hard work ethic that James Franklin is really established in Happy Valley. So 
for those guys to come in to continue that and to continue to build up linebacker you, which everyone thought ended with the Joe Paterno era, but it didn't. I, I, I think that James Franklin is doing it justice very much so here as we are in 2023. As Locked on Nittany Lions, that is the linebacker preview. Jeff Byers joins me on the show next to talk about the incredible recruiting class that Penn State Wrestling has put together for 2024 and just the way that they dominated and finished this regular season and how it sets up for the postseason here. It is Locked on Nittany Lions. Today's episode is sponsored by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook because because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from your favorite bets in the NBA, which could be from the core markets, spread, money line, total, player props, points, rebounds, assists, etc., and so many other exclusive bets like the two-by-three, two-three-pointer score in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat. First bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for making Locked On Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day. Make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball, everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me now on Locked On Nittany Lions is Jeff Ironhead Byers, the voice of Penn State Wrestling, finishing an undefeated regular season, undefeated overall, undefeated in the Big Ten. Senior day was uh, very kind to the Nittany Lions against Clarion, and Penn State's got a, look, uh, a lot to look forward to, not only with the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament coming up, but uh, in recruiting as well. So, Jeff, it's great to have you back on to talk about all of that here. Yeah, and nice to, to be here, and this is definitely the time of the year where things get revved up a couple of notches, and uh, for those of us that are college wrestling fans, this is uh, our Christmas coming up here in, in March. It's always a special time to be able to kind of obviously see the best that the sport has to offer right now, but you always enjoy uh, hearing and swapping stories about uh, tournaments past. Uh, with a lot of the uh, the old timers that still make it out to the NCAA tournament, the real March Madness, if you will, well for Penn State anyway, because they're really good at wrestling and men's basketball is on the rise, but uh, they don't typically get to participate in the NCAA tournament, not like wrestling does anyway. For sure, yeah. Hopefully this year <laughs> they can uh, finish strongly here and uh, yeah. and get into the big dance. Well, uh, yeah, for men's basketball and wrestling, we're hoping that uh, they can crown not only a bunch of champions, but at least get uh, all Americans as well at the at the very minimum for so, some of those younger guys. Uh, Jeff, before we get to wrestling, I just want your opinion on one thing about Penn State football, and that's uh, just kind of taking a survey here. The best 
position group on the team returning for 2023. I, I've I've heard running backs. I've heard offensive line. I've heard the potential of Drew Aller alone is good okay. enough to qualify the quarterback room. So uh, and and it could be anybody on defense as well. The linebackers with Abdul Carter, the secondary with Kalen King and Storm Duck coming out of the transfer portal. So in your opinion, uh, who is uh, who has the best position group for Penn State in 2023? Well, let me first say that I, I love the fact that the offensive line, when's the last time the offensive line was even considered or you heard anybody best. Uh, yeah. thinking about that as being the best position group? And I do think, uh, with what they have coming back, that that is, is a group that would be in strong contention. I, I have a heart, and I think the secondary, uh, you know, might not be quite as strong as it was a year ago, uh, but depth-wise, it it might be every bit as strong. And by the end of the year, uh, it it still may be uh, the the group that is the strongest overall. But going into it, I I don't know how you couldn't take that running back room. Uh, even I, I mean, both of the, the returning freshmen now to be sophomores, yeah. uh, are just such big time talents. I just, um, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's a really good situation that it is, I think very debatable the debate. Uh, yeah. Pro- yeah. Probably between five or six of the, uh, the groups. Um, but yeah, if you pin me down right now, I, I, I would lean running backs, uh, both just with the uh, the top end proven performance, uh, and I just think that uh, that group is still pretty deep. Uh, although that is a group <laughs> where we've seen depth uh, be tested before. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can get you can never be too deep at uh, quarterback or running back, um, and that probably goes for all of the positions uh, actually as well. But you know, you get a couple of injuries, and all of a sudden. Uh, that position that you think is really deep uh, becomes pretty thin pretty quick. But I, uh, yeah, I, I would go with the running back core, but I, I certainly can see where that the secondary for me would probably be a close second. Uh, and I do like this offensive line. I do think that it's a, a group that is worthy of consideration as that, uh, that top position group coming back for Penn state. But uh, again, with Allen and Singleton leading the way, I just uh, I have a hard time going away from that running back core. Fair enough. I mean, not a, a, other than Drew Aller getting some consideration, you don't have uh, one one position group with two uh, Heisman candidates, if you will, or running back content for the top running back spot. Uh, in Singleton and Allen. So definitely, I mean, the offensive line, yeah, it's getting respect, but uh, they, other than Olu Fashionu being a top five, top 10 NFL draft pick, potentially, uh, you don't have two guys in the same room that are top contenders for this prestigious award like you do with Singleton and Allen. So chalk one up for the uh, running back room there. Uh, so for Penn State Wrestling, undefeated they, they defeated clarion on, on sunday uh 40 to 6 this past sunday and uh, now they're looking forward to the big 10 tournament so there's a little bit uh, of uh a downtime not necessarily just because they don't have another dual meet but this is the chance for them now to solely focus on the big 10 tournament get guys to the ncaa tournament and, and claim some other and claim not only a team big 10 championship which they didn't achieve last year because michigan uh, won the points, even though Penn State had more individual champions at the end of the day. But it, from where we thought this team would be, exactly uh, uh, number one, undefeated, and everything, did they 
by chance happen to surpass expectations because of what we've seen from Levi Haynes or uh, the continued dominance of Aaron Brooks, Carter Storacci, Roman Bravo Young, and then the emergence of an Alex Facundo who was supposed to be a top 15, and now we've seen him around the conversation of the top five, and same with Bo Bartlett. So my opinion, I, I think they have, believe it or not, surpassed expectations. Yeah, I actually would agree with you, and I think that's a really hard thing to do uh, as you're saying, when you're the, the prohibitive favorite uh, going in and, you know, you have the four returning champions and, uh, you know, Greg Kirkfleet uh, started the season uh, and ends the season as a title contender. Uh, but I think, you know, the one thing I was kind of tracking during the season, Zach, was just where these guys were in the rankings and again you take that with a grain of salt because a guy like levi haynes obviously wasn't ranked because he wasn't mm -hmm. the starter at the start of the season so you understand that going in but even when you look at where levi haynes debuted in the rankings the the only wrestler in that penn state lineup that is lower than where he started the season in terms of the rankings and again you take the rankings with a grain of salt but Max Dean started number one, and he's now number three. Mm -hmm. But there isn't a person in the country that doesn't consider him a national title contender. I think 197 yeah. uh, is one of three weight classes that are just going to be wildly entertaining uh, in terms of uh, – well, actually, both Big Tens and Nationals in terms of uh, – I think fans will have more – individuals uh, that they think are going to win at those three weight classes, more different projected champions from the fans than any other uh, weight class. And maybe than uh, any we've had in a while. Again, I, those three to me are just so wide open, but when you look at, at Penn state again, Bo Bartlett uh, is substantially higher than he started the season. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously Roman Aaron and Carter are where they started the season. Again, Max Dean is two spots below. Greg Kirkfleet is where he started the season. Uh, but then the freshmen are all, you know, higher. Well, Gary Steen was not ranked, and he's still not ranked. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, Shane Van Ness was, I think, 29th, and now he's 13th. Uh, obviously, Levi Haynes, I'm forgetting exactly where he debuted, but it was in the low teens. Uh, and he's up to number seven now in the Intermat rankings. And Alex Facundo was in the 20s, too, and he's – uh, up to number nine so or eight I think now so you know all, all of those guys uh, I, I think are at least as good as was uh, predicted at the start of the season and I think all have a chance to uh, still uh, place at least uh, to where their seating is going to be uh, if not higher obviously the guys that are seated number one they aren't going to finish higher uh, but I think, you know, again, when you look at the expectations uh, for this program and, uh, you know, I think a lot was anticipated. Uh, I do think the fact that this team, you know, averaged winning eight bouts a dual meet, uh, that is <laughs> virtually yeah. unheard of when you're competing in a conference like the Big Ten. Um, yeah, to me, it's hard not to say that this team is uh, as high as the expectations were. Uh, to this point, has not surpassed uh, those expectations. Obviously, what happens in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament will ultimately define, uh, you know, the season for all of the individuals and all of the teams involved. I still think it's a shame that the NCAA doesn't have a dual meet tournament. 
Uh, PIAA does it for the state of Pennsylvania where they have all the schools uh, wrestle until there's a crown champion. So I, I really don't think it does it justice that Penn State doesn't get a chance to wrestle a winner-take-all type of match, again, a dual meet against an Iowa, a Michigan. Now, I think Penn State would win, but it would be wildly entertaining. It would. It's it's a tricky thing right now in college wrestling, and uh, you know I'm not going to say it's not doable, Um, but the way the schedule works right now, you know, they used to have the national duels that kind of second week of January or right in there, second or third week of January. Sure. Uh, and it was not an official national championship, but it was, you know, I, I think most college wrestling fans recognized uh, the winner of that event as the, the dual champion of the season. Uh, and it did not take away, I think if anything, it added to, the anticipation for the postseason. The issue right now is with the conferences in the Big Ten in particular, uh, having its conference scheduling now where it takes up most of January and February. Uh, again, you'd have to rework the way the conference scheduling works. The other thing that I think is causing hesitation for at least some in the coaching community is that you, you know, you have the conference tournaments, which you obviously try to get up for. Uh, in peak four, and then the NCAAs, which you are are trying to peak ultimately for. But then shortly after that, a lot of these guys now are competing in the freestyle circuit. And, you know, you'll have the national uh, championship for uh, freestyle and then the team trials for the uh, world or the Olympic teams, depending on the year. Uh, And you roll right into that. And I, I think the I think there is some concern about just how much you can ask guys to kind of continue to train and peak and train and peak over the course of a, a year. Mm-hmm. Not saying that can't be done, and not saying that's not something that uh, should be looked at. But I think they have to adjust the way they are doing the conference dual schedule right now. Uh, and I don't think it would work the way the PIAA does it right now, where you have kind of the team duels and then the conference, uh, well, in the high school case, it would be, you know, districts and sectionals and states. And I I just think that, again, there's a limit to what I think some of these coaches are wanting to put the, their kids through uh, because it is, it's a grueling sport. It is mentally and physically as demanding as any sport that, uh, that there is. And I think it's just tricky trying to figure out the timing and the scheduling of it. Uh, more than anything else but I do think it would be fun and and it was fun I mean the national team duels uh, you know that they had in the uh, 90s I think was kind of the heyday of it it was a great event and it was an event that I think most wrestlers coaches and fans uh, very much looked forward to Jeff looks look towards the distant future because Penn State has to build for that as well. Uh, recruiting classes are just as important as they are in football, basketball, here in wrestling as Cale Sanderson's uh, just on fire. And, and we'll save the Big Ten tournament preview for next week for for folks that are here. Well, why aren't you getting into that? No, we'll we'll save that. We'll get we'll get to that in the NCAA tournament when it rolls around. That deserves a, a lot more devoted time. Uh, but like I said, Penn State absolutely on fire. Uh, clear-cut number one class for 2024 after getting the two brothers that are from Wisconsin, Cole and Connor Mirasola, 
of both those guys. Uh, one listed, uh, Connor is listed at 182, and Cole is listed at 195. And according to Flow Wrestling, uh, Connor is ranked number 11 overall. So that's every single weight, every single yeah. wrestler in 2024. He's ranked 11th. And then Cole is number 21. So you're getting two top 25 overall recruits on top of what you already have in the number three overall recruit in Joe Seeley in the number six overall recruit in Zach Ryder, and then the number seven overall recruit in Mason Gibson. And you're getting Mason's brother on top of that yeah. as well. So how did this all come together? Well, I think there's, there's a couple of things in play and, and, you know, Kale Sanderson and this staff does a lot of things exceptionally well. Uh, but one of the things, cause I, I'll have fans sometimes ask me, you know, Oh, they, they're not getting this guy or that guy mm -hmm. uh, in a given year. And the, the thing that I think this staff and, and all staffs are trying to do this. I just think Cal and uh, Cody and Casey do it better than anybody else in, yeah. in the country is, is looking at the four or five year block uh, of time. And, and each year they're doing that and they're trying to figure out, okay. Uh, and it's, Obviously, it's an inexact science, but I think these guys have come as close to perfecting it uh, as maybe anybody ever has or any group ever has. What you're trying to do <laughs> is because you only have 9.9 .9 scholarships. Okay, so like football, you know, you're trying to get a quarterback every year. You're you trying to get yeah. three, four offensive linemen every year. In wrestling, I mean, you would love to do that. You'd love to get mm -hmm. a top recruit at every weight class every year. It's just with 9.9 .9 scholarships, it's not going to happen. So what you're trying to do is look over a four- or five-year period and dial in on who you think out of a four- or five-year recruiting cycle class, you think, okay, yep, this guy could be the best of the best. So – you know, we know that the, you know, it's this top guy might be coming out uh, in the class of 2022, but this guy that's coming out in 2024, we think that's the guy that's going that's to knock off anybody else from the two previous years yeah. and the, the two successive years. And again, it's a really hard thing to do, right? Uh, to pass on some guys that may want to come in because you know, listen, we got to save that scholarship money because we think we can get the guy that we think is going to be the ultimate uh, during the course of his four or five year run. And that's, it is a really difficult thing to do because you're also trying to project weight classes, mm -hmm. uh, right? And if you miss on a weight class and, and you end up with two and it could happen, I mean, there's some concern uh, that they're, uh, and I use concern and air quotes here, but right. that they ha are going to have too many in those middle weights and that there's going to be an odd man out somewhere there. And that may be, uh, and, you know, at some point somebody may transfer. And, you know, we saw it with a situation like Michael Beard and, uh, and Max Dean at 197. Yeah. You, you have, you know, Beard now is ranked second in the country and Dean is ranked third. Well, they were both in the same room and they both had a couple of years of eligibility remaining you understand why they, you know, beard transferred. He's like, Hey, I think I could be a national champion and I yeah. can't really crack the starting lineup here. So you may end up with a, another situation like that down the road. And, uh, you know, again, that's a pretty nice problem to have in your room. But I, I do think that, you know, this class of 24 is a class that Penn state 
uh, was looking at as being a, a real opportunity to bring in guys that can be the type of impact that a Levi Haynes and an Alex Facundo and a Shane Van Ness have been this year and that over the last few years, guys like Aaron Brooks and Carter Storacci. And again, it's, uh, it is a really hard thing to consistently find the guys that are going right. to be uh, able to make that transition from the high school level to the collegiate level at, at the highest end uh, successfully. And, and it's, again, one of the things that uh, this staff does, uh, well, better than anybody in the country right now and arguably better than anybody um, ever has in the sport. Yeah, that's definitely the case. I'd say you have to be very precise with it. With football, you can have some players that, you know, you didn't project right. But as you mentioned, the 9.9 scholarships, uh, that's that's very tough to do. And Kale and company do it best. Just like yourself, the voice of Penn State Wrestling, Jeff Ironhead Byers, joining me here. Zach Seiko on Locked on Nittany Lines. Jeff, I can't wait for our next conversation because that we get to start and get into the Big Ten tournament, project some winners, some tough competitions, the highlighted super studded matchups. I'm, I'm all eager to have that conversation next week. Yep, look forward to it. That tournament is, uh, as it always is, I guess, but it, it is going to be uh, just a wild one this year with uh, a lot of different scenarios that could play out. Thanks for the time again, as always, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thank you, Zach. And thanks again for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. Make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball's March Madness quickly approaches. Locked On College Basketball, everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Leave a comment, a question about the team, a position group, a player specifically, and I'll be able to answer it. Still got the secondary to go, one of the better position groups on the team, so I'm excited for that episode, along with the special teams that, frankly, do have a little, a few question marks around them. So it'll all be right here on Locked on Nittany Lions. Plus, we're going to have some more live episodes as men's basketball is pushing for that bubble spot. They are pushing to get into the NCAA tournament after the win over Ohio State. So keep it all right here on Locked on Nittany Lions.